Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm Angela Donatio, and each week I share compelling conversations with leading voices. They encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together we'll make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Well, hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today I am sitting down with what has become one of my new favorite people, had a chance to spend some time with her last month at a retreat that I host for Christian communicators. She is the real deal inside and out. Just yesterday, she spent 11 hours ministering in a prison. You're going to hear more about the ministry, the heart of this extraordinary woman, Julie Seals. She's an ordained minister. She's a prison evangelist. She's a popular keynote speaker for women's conferences. She's coming out to our church in the spring. She also ministers to church services and youth and ministry events across the board. She's left a life as a drug addict and a dealer behind. Julie Seals is now a hope dealer, and she inspires and challenges people from all walks of life to encounter to know, and to live for Jesus. She co-married, I'm sorry, she co-founded her Hope Recovery Ministry in 2022, and she is married to prison chaplain Mike Seals. Julie, I'm so honored and excited to finally have you here on the Make Life Matter podcast. Thank you, Angela. And that was all a tongue twister, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had the word married and founded. And I was like, well, she's probably married to her hope recovery as well. But she's married to Mike and serving. And you do so many things. And like we said, you you were in ministry all day yesterday. I know you have to be worn out today. But I mean, how rewarding is it, Julie, to go back into prisons, but now Mm -hmm. sharing a very different message, this message of hope? It's incredible. And it's a dream come true because I remember Angela, when I was in prison almost 23 years ago on a drug charge. And I remember asking my drug counselor in prison, if he could tell me of one woman, one inmate who had ever gotten out of prison and never gone back to drugs and made it through probation without using and successfully lived their life. And he could not tell me even one woman. He he said, I can't give you a name of even one woman. That was at FMC Carswell in Texas, um, Federal Medical Center Carswell in Texas. And I've made up my mind that that's one of the places in Jesus name that I want to go back to and speak Mm -hmm. and share with the women there, um, get my books. It's one of the places I want to get my books into. But to be able to go into prison and give women hope, women who think that there's no hope left, they're separated from their kids and they've lost everything, Mm -hmm. that there is hope and hope has a name and his name is Jesus and that it's not over, that their life really can just be beginning. Mm, I just love it so much. We're going to talk about everything. I'm going to pop up for a second because I'm wearing a shirt on purpose today, but you can't see it on camera. And it says, darling, this is just a chapter. This is just a chapter. And mm-hmm. and I just feel like that was just so appropriate for your life because we can be in a dark season. Maybe for some of us, it hasn't been prison, but there can be many things that could cause us to feel hopeless, despair. And yet to, be, to remember that God is writing the story on my sleeve, it says not the end of the story. It's just a chapter, not the end of the story. So to know that God is writing our story and he has the final say. And so you have such a powerful story. Before we even launch in, I do want to mention, she mentioned it there. She has a brand new book, All My Hope, A Prisoner No More. 
So just before we even launch in guys, you, you got to get a copy of this brand new book. It is getting incredible traction. Yes. She's got her copy. I didn't get my hands on it before we started. Um, it's getting traction. She'll talk about that in a little bit, her vision and dream to see it in prisons all across the United States and teen challenge centers. God has given her a big vision and Julie, I'm believing with you. I've seen God do similar things with the book I wrote with my dad. You and I have talked about that. And uh, so when he gives you the vision, he will give you the provision for the vision. So let's just talk before we kind of dive into some of the things that you talk about in the book and how we can really have hope, whether we're struggling with something or we love someone who is, I would love for you to share a little bit about your own story because you've overcome spinal bifida, a 17 year addiction to crystal meth, uh, the amputation of your left leg. That's a story all in itself a life sentence in federal prison. And now you're sharing, you're sitting in your home, not in a prison cell. You're sitting in your home free. And now you share the story so that others can live set free. So talk to us a little bit, Julie, about your story. I know you can't tell everything. That's why we want you to get the book, but get, invite us into some of these crucial moments, especially where you came to just a really low place. Yeah. Well, I know, you know, you mentioned um, overcoming spina bifida and I wasn't even supposed to live. I was supposed to die. So my parents took me home to die and God had other plans for my life. Um, I did have some medical problems. I grew up with a lot of medical issues. I lost the feeling in my feet when I was 12 years old. By the time I was 18, I was having all these pressure ulcers. Mm. Um, As a young teenager, doctors were giving me prescription narcotics to help with the severe pain, but that also kicked in that addictive gene that runs in my family. So alcoholism runs rampant in both sides of my family. I didn't know that at the time. Um, And so I was dealing with life's pain Mm-hmm. And, you know, just all of the medical issues and the being different from my friends. I couldn't go out and play and do things with my friends because I had this big hole, this ulcer in the bottom of my foot. And, mm-hmm. you know, I learned at a young age that alcohol and pain pills numb things that hurt no matter what it is. And so uh, that was not a really good foundation, but As I grew older and I entered abusive relationships and this cycle of domestic violence, and then again, I used, oh, alcohol and drugs, numb, things that hurt. And so I kind of applied that to every part of my life. But I remember the lowest point in my life um, where I had just run 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction. The word of God says bad company corrupts good character. And along with that lifestyle of alcohol and drugs and bad company, um, you know, I found myself just sucked into this world that I had no business ever being part of. And I, I want to say that when I was running 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction, as far away from God as I could get. The further I ran, I ended up running right into the arms of Jesus Mm. because you cannot outrun the Holy Spirit who is chasing you down. So the snapshot of the lowest point in my life, um, I had had my leg amputated due to chronic infected ulcers. I had run away from a marriage that was a mess. 
Um, I had lost custody of my only son because I was such a mess. Mm. And I was living as a fugitive on the run in Ensenada, Mexico, with a meth lab in my bathroom. The federales, the Mexican Drug Task Force, were raiding my house with machine guns. I was involved with the mafia. And it was, and yet in the middle of that craziness, I got home from a doctor's appointment because I ended up getting an ulcer in the bottom of my only remaining foot. Mm -hmm. And a doctor in Mexico said, yep, that leg is going to be amputated also. And I got home from that appointment and I still have the pictures of this house I was renting in the beach in Ensenada, Mexico, right on the ocean. And I remember falling to my knees and just crying out to God. And I always believed in him, but I didn't know how to get past the addiction and find him. Hmm. And I just cried out and said, God, I can't meet you halfway. I believe in you. I know you're real, but I don't know how to pray. And I don't know if you're listening, but I need you to become the center of my life or I'm going to be lost forever. Hmm. Only imagine me saying that screaming and crying and sobbing with snot coming out of my nose and the whole everything. And The Holy Spirit descended in my living room. And the moment I said, God, do whatever it takes because I can't meet you halfway. That was the door that opened up and gave him full permission. Mm. The next morning, these, the mafia came over, asked me if I would take drugs across the border for money. I thought God didn't hear my prayer because Mm. nothing seemed different. And to your listeners who maybe they're in a place where they're desperate. And everything looks like it's about to become so bad that there's never going to be any way out. I would say if you cry out to God and you say, God, do whatever it takes, help me. It's that simple. And even when you don't see God working at first, he is working. He's working the moment we cry out to him. So I didn't think he was working yet. I let them duct tape four pounds of crystal meth around my waist, which is a lot of meth, life sentence for that. They drove me to the international border and I got out on the Mexico side. I'm supposed to walk through to San Diego. And I felt that presence of God and he was with me and I knew he was with me. And instead of walking through to San Diego, with that meth around me, I walked right up to a customs officer with a gun a U.S. Marshal, and I told her what I was doing and I turned myself in. Oh, wow. That was not my plan, but it was his plan because I gave him full permission. God, do whatever it takes because I'm desperate. Mm. That's where everything changes. I was taken, I was arrested, of course. I was taken to prison in San Diego. And the first week I was there, a group of women prison ministers came in and one of them sat on my bunk and she said, Julie, did you know that Jesus loves you very much? And I'm bawling my head off and I'm like, not me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what's happened. And she kept insisting that Jesus Christ came to earth, paid the penalty for my sin. And if all I would do would be repent of my sins, which I never understood what that meant, but she explained to me, it meant turning away from your old life, your old ways and, you know, surrender to Jesus and follow him. And I did, I made that decision, that commitment. I prayed and I said, okay, Jesus, I've completely messed my life up. So if you can do anything at all good with it, I've hit rock bottom and it's all yours. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Wow. 
And um, I felt physically felt in that prison a physical weight break off my chest. My tears of repentance became tears of freedom. And I got up off that cold, hard cement floor, a saved woman, a new woman. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, she's a new, she is a new person, a new creation. And I got up off that floor new. Mm. I did not go through any withdrawal symptoms in prison. Wow. I was brand new. I stopped, I used to cuss like a truck driver, like a sailor. I got up that, off that floor. My potty mouth was gone. God literally made me new. Mm. There there were some things he just broke off my life. Mm. It's just so beautiful, Julian. What, what encouragement, not only is that for people who are going through their own struggle, but for people who love those that are, because it can be very wearying to hold on to hope when you just feel like, like you said, there's just doesn't seem to be a way this is getting any better. You prayed, you knew God heard you, but then nothing is changing. And so that's just powerful to know God is always working. He's always listening. He He spared you. You, you had, you know, challenges early on that were not anything you had done. They were just the way things, you know, genetic disorders and issues, but then the enemy capitalizes. He's so ruthless. Yes. He exploits anything he can to keep us bound, to keep us oppressed, to keep us struggling. One of the things you and I were chatting about prior um, to this going live was that I, I'm thinking of those women that came to you and said, do you know, Jesus loves you? They met you in that dark low place. And there's so much power in that, Julie. So you mentioned earlier that you had talked to it. I don't know if it was a prison chaplain or warden because your husband works in in prison ministry and and you're now in there sharing um, your book and your life story. But you said that 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 prison had not heard of any woman who had been completely clean, gone through probation and come back and been able to talk about it. So that said to me that relapse and complete overcoming is, is, is not the norm, sadly. And you have beaten the odds. We know the Holy Spirit was at work, but talk about that for a second, because there's something so impactful about visually seeing these women who cared enough to come behind locked doors, meet you where you were and pull you up of that dark place. So I know this is your heart now to go into prisons, but why do you think it's so difficult that we get out maybe, and then there's just not the success that, that we hope to see in so many lives. Well, I know for me, um, I got out and I, my mom died right before I got out of prison Mm. and I was going to live with her. I was going to go to college. My life sentence got reduced to 22 months and I was homeless when I got out of prison. And, but I had these women, these prison ministers that God put in my life and what I did is right before I got out of prison, I wrote to a church and I said, I'm going to be released to San Diego. And I've always been a magnet for all the wrong people. And I know I need to surround myself with people who love Jesus. And so will you pick me up from the halfway house? Will you take me to church? Wow. This church had a chaplain, a female chaplain who did prison ministry. She picked me up from the halfway house and she brought me to church every Sunday and and this church embraced me knowing my history and i i wasn't floundering i know that some i'm sure that there are people who get out of prison and they don't have a support system but 
God, I mean, I had nothing and nobody. And I, I took it upon myself to reach out and, and ask a church to support me. And that church in turn said, yes. And they picked me up. They gave me a ride. And then when my time at the halfway house was over, this chaplain offered to rent me a room inside her home. Now they had had three and a half months of getting to know me and, and she offered to rent me a room and I went and lived in their home and I was going to college and I, they gave me a little job at the church. I was the calendar girl, uh, make, creating the church calendar of events. And so I got to go on a staff cruise with them oh. and they went on a staff cruise once a year back to Mexico. Oh, my, pro Julie. my probation paper said, I know my probation paper said, I'm not allowed to enter the Republic of Mexico. And I told this chaplain, I said, I can't go there. And she goes, just ask your probation officer. And I said, okay, just because she kept asking me. And he said, yes, he said, I've never seen anyone stay clean and sober. By now I have been out of prison for eight months. And he goes, yes, of course you can go. He wrote me a letter. I was on a staff cruise. Look at the goodness of God. Um, I was on a cruise ship coming into the harbor in Ensenada, Mexico, where four years earlier, I sat on, in a beach house on that shoreline watching cruise ships come in mm. i'm high i can't even talk and i was i remember sitting on that coastline thinking god what would it be like to be on one of those ships mm. and be a normal person not be a fugitive not be strung out have a happy life have people and family who love you and without ever even asking him could i possibly have that experience he gave it to me. I even have a picture of the moment. I even have my journal. This is the journal from 2004. Wow. Where this happened. I still have the journal entry where as the cruise ship was coming into the harbor, I want to cry right now. Oh. I'm writing, dear God, thank you for this moment. And my mom had died, like I said, right before I got out of prison. And so um, you know, there's that heartbreak there, but even in the middle of losing family, even in the middle of situations not going the way we want, I can tell you, God is faithful mm. and he has a plan for our lives when we surrender to him that is more beautiful than anything we could ever think or dream or ask or imagine when we're in the middle of that place of pain. Wow. I mean, that is just, wow. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm speechless. I'm in tears. It's just such, like you said, it's a wow God story. You know, these stories of moments of such supernatural grace in our lives. Yes, we tell these stories, but we don't tell them for our glory. We tell them because we want you to know the goodness of God who reaches down, who pulled us up out of the pit and then said, that's not going to be enough. I'm going to, I'm going to circle back around and give you full circle moments to just show you that I was right there when you were sitting on the floor. I, I've never left you. He's always pursuing us. He's so, so faithful. And another thing, Judy, what about the beauty of the body of Christ? I mean, come on, that is, that is the way the body of Christ should operate. You literally write a letter 
to a church, they step up. I mean, thank God they stepped up. And because I don't know that we would be sitting here having this conversation if, if you had not been able to get surrounded by healthy community who would see you through probably one of the most difficult transition periods is coming out of a prison. And, you know, when you're going to be out here next year, you'll be working with our female chaplain for our local jail that goes to our church. But that's exactly what I can imagine. I can imagine her answering the letter. I can imagine her picking you up. I can imagine her taking you to church. And we need, this is how the body of Christ needs to be operating. It's so, so important that your story has tentacles of other people that also said yes to God. And so it's it's crucial that we each step into the part of the story that God is asking us to play. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about is you have, as part of your subtitle, A Prisoner No More, and now you call yourself a hope dealer, which is just so powerful. And as I'm wearing this shirt, when that was the chapter that you were sitting in, and that you know, very dark place in Mexico. You probably couldn't envision this chapter right now, but what does it mean to you to now be a prisoner no more and now a hope dealer? Why are those words and and the thoughts behind those words so important to you? Well, because when, before I ever was in a physical prison, I was in, I was a prisoner to addiction. I was a prisoner mm. to depression, to anxiety, to self-hatred, um, to so many things that, that just had me beyond desperate. And, and there are so many people, there's so many women who go through real things today that are so hard and, and we can be a prisoner to the, the assignment of the enemy to steal, kill and destroy God's plan for our life. But when I surrendered to Jesus, when I said, okay, I'm done, you take over and do whatever it takes and I will follow you and trust you. Even when things happen that look like they're all going wrong, I'm going to believe that you're going to take and and make them all right. Um, And I'm not going to give up in the places that look like it's, it should be a place to give up. And when I got into prison physically, I became free. I became free on the inside. And all of a sudden, geography didn't matter. And so I realized that freedom doesn't depend upon geography. And so today, being a hope dealer means I carry the hope and the freedom of Jesus everywhere I go and break off the lies of the enemy. And I started a ministry here in Lake City um, called Her Hope Recovery, because when Mike and I moved to Lake City, Florida, a couple years ago, I I had a vision from the God that I was going to be having breakfast with women in recovery who were all by mm. themselves. Wow. There was a point in my story where I was running away from life and I had my little boy with me and I was in this small little town and nobody befriended me or took me under their wings. And I ended up going back into drugs and the wrong people. And I met a woman here in Lake City who had kids with her single mom, no friends, and she was in recovery and just about to like lose her marbles. And I ended up inviting her to breakfast. And so her hope recovery was born. Mm-hmm. And I gather this small group of women together. We meet on Zoom every Monday night. We meet in person once a month for a breakfast club. And I have been 
working with them to break off lies of the enemy, that they're unlovable, that they're not worthy. Mm. And some of these women are getting their kids back from DCF. Wow. They're getting off probation. One woman, she just got off probation, paid an $800 fine. And her main motivator was because she wants to be able to come into prison with me mm. and talk to women in prison with me. Wow. So she sacrificed to pay that fine off. She works at a sub shop part-time. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, that's important too, to to know that we're a part of our healing process. You didn't just sit around and wait for other people to, to come alongside, which we should when we have those opportunities, but you know, we've also got to be engaged in, you know, I, I I want my life to look different than this. And sometimes things are just so bad and so desperate. We can't even, we can't even lift our arm to reach up and God is merciful in those seasons. But when we do have the opportunity, like this girl you're talking about, this young woman who said, listen, I want to be able to come with you. I'm going to do my part because God extends this offer of freedom, forgiveness, freedom, wholeness, but we do have a role to play in, in how he's going to develop that freedom, what it's going to look like in our life. And I think you're just a walking testimony of that. I'm just wondering, Julie, if you had one thing you would say to someone who's listening and either they themselves are walking through a very dark place, or I'm thinking of a very dear friend of mine who lost her brother yesterday to an heroin overdose, someone who loves someone walking through a dark place. Maybe that's two different pieces of advice, but can you just offer the hope that you do so beautifully to someone who's listening and maybe going through a difficult season right now? Yes. Um, in God's word, I can't remember the address, but it says that he watches over his word to perform it. Mm-hmm. And his eyes are going to and fro looking for people who are, whose hearts are lifted up to him. Prayer. Mm-hmm. God is a prayer answering God. And, and even though we don't always see him moving in the moment that we are praying, I would say pray for those people who are lost and desperate because your prayers, even if you don't see them working, are making a difference. And if you are somebody like your friend, Angela, who, who just lost, um, lost her husband, um, you know, God still in the middle of the, the, in the middle of the most painful, unbelievable losses, God is right there with you. Yes, He, he is carrying you in those moments that you feel like you cannot take another step or another breath. He is closer than the skin on your bones and the breath and your lungs. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Cling to him. And just trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't look at the situations that you can see with your natural eyes. Mm -hmm. In all your ways, acknowledge him, seek him, and he will direct your path. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. He's Mm -hmm. unfailing. Yeah. So, so, so good, Julie. And you, you give us hope for people that are listening, feeling discouraged. Maybe they prayed for a loved one for so long. And, or in this case, it was actually her brother. Oh. Um, and yeah, but, but regardless, it's your brother, yeah. your husband, your son, daughter. Yeah. I mean, so many parents are heartbroken over estrangement from kids over kids. They don't know where they are. The kids are, are addicted to drugs or alcohol, or just not 
um, not serving the Lord. I mean, there's just so many ways that we carry, even if you're listening, you're a believer, you could be carrying the weight and the heaviness of hopelessness, feeling like it's just never going to change. Maybe you're married to an unsaved spouse and you're just feeling so beaten down and so discouraged. And I'm just telling you, you can just hear the hope. It drips off of your voice, Julie. Like literally there's so much anointing and grace on your life. And I just, I'm just so thrilled that God not only has given you this open door with this resource, but the sky is a limit for how he's going to use you because you're just such an open book. And, and uh, so I just want to encourage our listeners to get a copy of your book. She's going to pray over us in just a moment, but Julie, where do you want them to go to find you and get a copy of all my hope a prisoner no more? So my website is julieseals.com. And for every book that somebody purchases off my website, I have these books at home. I actually am signing every single book that somebody buys and I'm putting a little scripture and I do it personally. I pray over every single book. I didn't even tell you that. I love um, it. And I send them out, but I also will give a book to a prisoner. Mm. And so for every book you buy, I give a book to somebody in prison and you can go to julieseals.com. I also have a way that people can support the ministry uh, monthly if they want to. And that's how you can find me. My email is on there. I will answer emails. And you mentioned uh, somebody having a spouse who maybe isn't saved. The chaplain who let me live with her and her family, her husband was not saved for seven oh, wow. years of marriage. And she kept praying and believing. And he was an alcoholic. And, and one day he just, her prayers just came to fruition. And one Sunday he went to church and he was saved for many, many years. Oh my goodness. See, yeah. I'm just saying God is a miracle working God, yes, you know, yes. a miracle He's working God. Now, but um, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, I mean, this is powerful. Nothing's impossible for God. Nothing. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And we need that hope. We need those handles of hope to hang on to when we're just feeling so discouraged in the situation. So Julie, thank you for your life and your story. I always like to ask one last question before you pray, but um, I'm just so curious because this could go a million directions, but you're inspiring so many to make their lives matter and you're making your life matter. You're making every single square inch of life and real estate that God has entrusted to you, your story, your pain, your struggle, it's all there for the Lord to use. And you're not exploiting or glorying in the struggle. You're saying, listen, this is where, this is the reality of my life was, and God can do the impossible. And if he's done it for me, he's going to do it for you. And he's going to do it for someone that you love. You have this big dream and vision of seeing the book in every prison and, and teen challenge across the country. And we're agreeing with you. So with all that you're doing to make your life matter, who is that person in the Bible other than Jesus and inspires you to make life matter? Um, definitely the apostle Paul. He wrote most of the new Testament from prison in chains. Uh, he, he just inspires me so much because he was snake bit shipwrecked and everything and just kept pressing on toward the goal to win the prize. And it just reminds me, no matter what, we are pilgrims passing through this world. And, you know, there there is just so much joy if we will just get that perspective that this world is not our home. And we could be in chains that are visible or not visible, but we just keep on singing praise to the Lord and making our life matter by, by focusing on Jesus 
And, and when we do that, chains will break off of the prison guards and their whole families will be saved. Wow. Mm, so, so good, Julie. Thank you so much. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your obedience. And we just pray for you and for the work that you're doing in prisons, you and your husband and so many open doors, we pray in front of you. And, and I know as people are going into the holidays, it can be even more painful if a loved one um, is struggling with addiction or in prison. And uh, so I'm just going to ask you to pray for our listeners, just, you know, pray God's peace over them, just the same way you've received so much hope and joy and strength from the Lord. And I know that's your heart for every listener. So thank you so much. Yes. God, we just come before you in Jesus name and pray for every person listening right now under the sound of my voice. Lord, I pray that your perfect peace that passes all understanding would just pour into their hearts and their minds. And God, I pray that just like you did with me, that you would drop scripture, your word, your living active word into their heart to speak over their loved ones who are running off in the wrong direction, who are held captive by the enemy or by addiction. God, that when they speak your word over and over, standing on faith, believing in it, God, that that you would cause your word to come to pass, that you would pull blinders off the eyes of family members who are trapped by addiction, that no matter how far they run in the wrong direction, that your prayer, that the prayers of their family members would become real, that they would come into fruition and that you would pull the blinders off of the eyes of every person held captive by the enemy and that they would come to the foot of the cross in the arms of Jesus. God, I pray that miracles will result from this podcast and that hope would rise up in the hearts of every person listening and that they would see you move in miracles that fresh faith would rise and god i pray that i would get to hear stories of what you've done as a result of the hope and the faith that has been rebirthed into the hearts of the listeners and it's in jesus name that i thank you in advance for all of this amen Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com, Facebook at angeladenadiovov, and Instagram at angeladenadio. Until next week, let's make life matter.